0: Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of STFU, the interview show that's a lot nicer than it sounds. I'm your host, Zach Evans, here as always with my old pal, Adam Kelly. Adam, how's it going, man?
1: Uh, pretty good for a Monday, I suppose. How are you?
0: I can't complain, man. I can't complain. Uh, so today we have some fantastic guests, familiar voices to many of you, our good, good friends from the Hideous Laughter podcast, Steve Griffin. Welcome to the show, boys.
2: Hey, hey. Hello. What's up, guys? Good to be How's here. How's it
0: going? Yeah, yeah glad thanks, to have you. For Long time coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, gentlemen, for the one person out there who may be listening to the show that who's not familiar with the HLP, tell us a little bit about yourselves in the show.
2: Well, uh you to take it, Steve. Yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> Griff, uh, you're kind of the spearhead of basically our entire project. So um how about you go ahead and talk about yourself in the show and then I'll play a cleanup?
3: Sure. Uh so the Hideous Laughter Podcast is an actual play, actually drunk Pathfinder first edition <laughs> podcast that plays Carrion Crown, which is Paizo's gothic horror adventure path, released in 2011, and Brought to the current day, lovingly and caringly, um, and we've been going on for a while now. Uh, coming up on two years, we're fast approaching our hundredth episode. We have a show very similar to this that both of you have been guests on, called The Zone mm-hmm. of Truth. Yep, which is a behind-the-scenes show where Steve and I sit down and chat with other content creators and each other and talk about our show and some of the behind-the-scenes gm stuff uh and then we have the evil interlude which is an evil side quest so to speak uh where all of the players play evil characters in the same world and it gives a backdrop to the main campaign
2: did i catch it all steve i i think that was a very comprehensive look at everything we do um griff is our gm i'm one of the players my name's steve Strapple. i play Matoombe and saw on the hideous after podcast it. i was waiting for it man. listen i wasn't gonna say anything until he brought up the evil interlude and then i'm like you know what i've been primed so matumbe is my character <laughs> in the uh, original show and our flagship so to speak and then those evil interludes i play um a, a character called saw, Moon and isle who is um a, a reflection of myself In a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a pretty good introduction, pretty good summary. Uh, if you if you weren't going to say it, Steve, I was going to set you up for it, man. Uh, I had prepared. because. <laughs>
3: and
2: who are you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. you know, Steve, what do you play on the show? Uh...
2: <laughs> so for that one person who doesn't know why we're all laughing right now, we have a running bit whenever we do stuff together. I introduce myself in full to the entire STF team. So I'm um... yeah. <laughs> so well, t- confused on who I am. Yeah, for
3: 17 episodes now. Same <laughs> fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It wouldn't be right if you stopped now, Steve. You know, you've already committed. You got to keep it going. So, anyway, guys, what what made you decide to share your TTRPG experience with the world? What Why did you decide to make a podcast?
3: I think it all started with uh, a couple of summers ago. We were uh, we were drinking on the weekends a lot, and I just had this idea. I was like, "Hey, we already play." You know, we all we all play Pathfinder. We've all played Pathfinder for a while. Uh, we've never gotten to play together as a group, and by group I mean me, Steve, Haley, Brooks, and Emily. So the the five of us had actually never played together um, in in a campaign. We've all played separate campaigns. Uh, we've all been friends for a long time, but never played something together. And so I thought, well, we. I feel like we have the ability to do this. I feel like it's something that could make our gaming sessions very regular. And what it's done for us is has had us recording every week um, since, I guess, the pandemic screwed that up. (laughs) But (laughs) but we were recording every single week. So um, the campaign has been fresh in our minds for two years and it's one of the more immersive campaigns playing it that way that i've ever been a part of uh i've gm'd a lot of stuff uh was excited to get to gm this because i really wanted to take a story and kind of make it our own and put it out there i think a lot of folks that do these adventure path podcasts uh put their own spin on it i know you guys definitely do um you know, you got to put some put some mustard on it, make it your own kind of special yeah, flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think we've done, uh, we've produced a really unique take on Carrying Crown that, that has well, a lot of...
1: You've made Carrying Crown a whole world. You know, yeah, like it, you've, you've created a universe around, it's not just an adventure, you know, you've basically built a whole like lore around it, you know, outside of just the books. That's, it's really what I think helps y'all show stand out.
2: Yeah. I, I, to, just to build off that the Karen crown, I think has a fairly decent skeleton of an AP. It works. Um, we've talked to a lot of people in the community, Griff, especially who have run it or are in the process of running it. And there are some challenges with the flow of the AP. However, um, what, Really diving headfirst into the back matter of Carrion Crown and Ustalav and all these cool places where our story takes place, um, we've really put a lot of skin and muscle on those bones and really tried to flesh it out. Um, I'm, you know, Griff in a lot of ways is an ideas guy, and sometimes in a lot of ways I can be a little bit of a yes man. So <laughs> when uh, so when Griff was talking about running a show, that was one of those things where I was like, Yeah, sure, sounds great. So I was like on the books I was into it from day one but I really kind of never thought it would happen uh, because you know just sometimes things don't work and this is a pretty large undertaking from day one so when it Absolutely. actually did happen I was like oh shit this is, this is really happening and I'd been right. playing with, with Brooks and Emily for a long time uh, like we've been playing something like 2-3 years before we started Carrying Crown um, Pathfinder and regularly too we were playing every week um, Rise of the Rune Lords and all bunch of other cool stuff But, you know, putting our voices out there into the ether of the world and the Internet um, really forced us to elevate our role play and what we were bringing to the table. Because suddenly it wasn't, you know, me and three of my friends sitting around the table in my apartment. It was me and four of my friends sitting around a table that's getting broadcast to the entire world. And I've seen the stats. It's the entire world, man. Yeah, it's the whole world. <laughs> yeah,
0: it really does though, man. Like I, I will say that that doing an actual play podcast will force you to elevate your level of role play. Because you can't get away with half assed roleplay yes. when you have people listening to it and when you have a community that will call you on your shit. You know, that they keep you accountable and they keep you honest and they they can push you to be better at your
1: craft. You well, they, yeah, they elevate you because you have that much more, like, brain power on, on the subject matter, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if they're not there at the table controlling your, your character, you know, once you put it out in an actual play, it, it's... It's no longer just your character. It's it's theirs to some degree. And so it just kind of pushes pushes it up with all this extra creativity that's being kind of just thought at the project, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one other piece of why I really wanted to get
3: a show out there was two years ago, the landscape of Paizo actual plays was... Not very, not very vibrant, not very big. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you had Glass Cannon, which I know all of us have listened to, and is the preeminent Paizo podcast. But there wasn't a lot of, there really weren't many shows. And with that, you you see a lot of diversity and interesting casts in Fifth Edition podcasts because there are so many of them. You can kind of find your own flavor and i found that the flavor didn't really exist in pathfinder where there were people my age playing it was a lot of people as as pathfinder kind of is that were um old D &D players have you know are in their late 30s 40s all playing together and it, it kind of gives a different
1: vibe are you saying that's old, Griffin?
3: <laughs> it's, it's older than me, certainly. Uh, and, and on top of that, there weren't a lot of female voices in the Paizo shows at that time. I, I love the fact that Paizo shows have kind of exploded and there are a lot of more diverse casts. But at the time, that wasn't really a thing. And so mm-hmm. to be able to bring um, two really strong role-playing women into the Piesoverse as it as it were with uh with Haley and Emily was uh was something I was really excited to do. It's kind of a different dynamic with our show because there's two couples so you can kind of see how that plays out in role play. Spoiler (laughs) alert, it's not really like a favoritism (laughs) thing ever, but uh it's it's, it's interesting to
0: (laughs) (laughs) so it goes.
1: Yeah, it, 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 I will, I will say that it was, it was nice when I first started listening to have a, a range of characters. You know what I mean? And, um, I mean, you guys have a, one of the, one of the strangest ragtag groups Ain't of that PCs. It's like a really bizarre mix that fits really well for the tone of Carrying Crown in the show and everything you're doing. So, so you've been doing this for almost two years, right? Like, quite a long time. What are some of your favorite experiences or moments in your time as podcasters? I mean, sure, you can talk about some of your favorite parts in in the story, but, you know, you might want to leave that, you know, spoilers or whatever. I'm more asking, like, because you're podcasting it, what that experience would have been some kind of touchstone
2: moments for you? I'd like to kick this off, Griff, if if I can. Um, I'm going to be very vague here. Um, to preserve people's privacy and everything, but very early on in our show, um, we received a—I um, I think it was a handwritten letter, maybe it was just an email from um, from a person who was homebound and, um, and, and and just was gushing about how much she appreciated what we were doing um, and how it you know lit up you know lit up her life once a week, right and. That right then, you know, we'd only been doing this for maybe two or three months at the time. I, I can't quite remember, but that's when I knew the podcast was a success because I, when I was going into this, I really thought that, you know, even though I had heard the first couple episodes and I, I thought the audio, audio quality, at least for the time, was very good and we brought some very good characters to the table, Griff put in a lot of work for the Baxter and everything, I wasn't sure about the longevity of the show. And I just thought to myself, if we can make one person happy, then that's, then we've achieved what we should have set out to do. We're not trying to get famous. We're not trying to make money. That was never, never, ever the, uh, intent of the podcast. And, uh, we're not famous, so we don't have money, so I guess that's, <laughs> well, if, the, you're that's the, into, is. if you're getting into it for that reason, you're going to be disappointed. Exactly.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: yeah, yeah. But it's a spoiler alert on that. There's no <laughs> money at the end of that road, you know. <laughs> but
2: but that, but that was the thing, you know, just very early on when I saw that we, even though we had never met this person um, and had little interaction with them, that we had such a substantial impact in their life that they would go out of their way and write a letter and talk about how like we kept their spirits up. You can't beat that. Like, what's more important than that? What is? It's there's nothing.
1: Yeah, nothing. Uh, The the connection you make with people as a podcaster is is certainly incredible. Uh, Griffin, you you got any anything? uh, Can you top that? Really wholesome, amazing. (laughs) I I don't
3: think I can uh, (laughs) top
1: that with uh, something more wholesome. But what I will
3: say is that Steve and I had the opportunity last year to do kind of a a tour of conventions and and really get spread the word about the show, get to meet some people that uh, both listeners and non listeners and I think one of my favorite experiences out of that was our Gen Con meetup, yes. which you know had kind of a revolving door of people. We were at the bar all evening <laughs> until it closed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had we had like 40 people show up to it, which boggled my mind then. And, we, I mean, still would boggle my mind now uh, if it hadn't actually happened. So I think that was just a hugely fun experience to be able to meet some of the people that listen and some of the people that are just interested in, in what we do. Um, I think one of the other big moments for me wasn't really like a downloads number moment but when when we found out we had listeners in every state of the country that was like a just a big wow yes. moment <laughs> like it was it, it was like amazing but also like I, I feel like that more than the download numbers is like a oh god i, I I got some pit sweat going on, like <laughs> stressful, like anxiety-inducing moment because it's like, holy shit! Like that's a that's a thing.
0: <laughs> oh well, like, pe- people are listening to us. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh! Like, like you know, across the country, the
1: whole right, country, yeah. you
0: know? right. You know, it's not just your parents
3: yeah. crossing state lines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, once you get that one person who has an internet connection in North Dakota, you know, you really, really made it. I promise you guys, it.
2: this is not a joke. For one day, we had fourteen downloads in North Korea. This is not a joke. I was on Podbean <laughs> and saw it and hovered over it, and it said North Korea 14, and then the next day it was gone.
1: Oh, my goodness. I don't know how no that idea happened.
2: What happened. Kim
0: Jong-un caught him, dude. They caught him slipping, man. I don't know <laughs> how he
3: retroactively undownloaded <laughs> yeah. the show. He sucked it out of Podbean. <laughs> mm.
1: uh, well, there's ways, I suppose. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. So, I mean, really, the, the takeaway is that the, the main thing that you gain from creating a podcast versus just playing at a table is is the community right you get you get to meet people and share common interests and um that's it's a beautiful thing man it really is it really makes it all worthwhile you know
1: yeah i think if if you're going into it with the intent of wanting to share collective storytelling with other people then you're gonna meet other people that are gonna brighten your life you know if you're going into it to be like you know sure, make a good quality podcast. I'm not saying just wing it out there, but like if you're going into it for, for fame and fortune, you probably won't find that community, and it, it'll probably you're missing a big aspect of what makes this so worthwhile to do, you know. Um, but that's that's I mean, yeah. total there.
0: <laughs> right, absolutely. So, we wanted to have you guys on primarily because we like hanging out with you, but also. Because the Hideous Laughter podcast is ostensibly a horror podcast, and you guys are horror buffs, uh, and with STF heading into Signal of Screams AP, we kind of wanted to pick your brain about some spooky horror campaigns and stuff like that. So, what makes a good horror campaign? What elements do you guys think are essential, and what do you like most about the genre?
3: Oh boy, it's a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Well, Take your time, boys. We got I'm, all night. Yeah, I'm going to start with what I think really adds to a horror campaign, makes a horror campaign horror-themed instead of just a campaign with, like, undead in it or, or that kind of thing, which exists and I wouldn't call horror, and I think a lot of that has to do with the GM, so good luck, Adam, because, and I I know you already do a great job with this, but I think description is how you create the sense of horror. You need to be constantly describing the ambiance, describing what the players, all, all of the senses, you need to be bringing that in. When something visceral happens, it needs to be visceral in the description. You need to You need to evoke that feeling of disgust when something disgusting is there and to make stuff truly terrifying, that your descriptions are what's gonna make people uneasy. And I think the the core of a horror campaign is that you need to make characters that are powerful feel uneasy. And that's not something that's simple to do. Mm -hmm as a as a meta gamer right and, and everybody meta games from time to time you know how a campaign works and you probably know that your characters are not truly in that much danger all the time they're powerful enough to overcome these situations they have the tools unlike yeah, you're,
1: you're, you're meant to be on an adventure path right? right you're meant to you're meant to go through the whole thing
3: and that's know? counter to the helplessness you're supposed to feel in a lot of horror scenarios. So I mean, take any any slasher fit or slasher flick, or, or you know th- that genre of horror is really hard to recreate in in a TTRPG, especially in Pathfinder and Starfinder. There are TTRPGs that are geared completely towards horror. Stuff
1: like Call of Cthulhu and
3: Delta Green comes to
1: mind. Yeah, where well, there's... your characters aren't powerful exactly. in, in those situations. Like they can die in with any dice roll. You know, then that's like built into the game, right? And I think those are the games where it's really easy to
3: evoke the horror concept because you have that built into the system. So uh my other advice for running horror, and I know you guys, having listened to our show, have, have seen it play out, you need to have some real lasting consequences. Some consequences that aren't going to be whipped away by... a a restoration spell or something like that so in our game we have corruptions and they they stick with the character they're a horrible thing that becomes a part of that character's backstory and a part of the way they play and they're mechanically not good and something like that can evoke horror as well in a ttrpg because it without making the character's die <laughs> which isn't right. isn't really that scary in this in a setting where characters die all the time but um without making them die you you make them feel the impact of something that either broke their mind or or um like completely messed with them changed them altered them in a way that they'll never play the same again
2: i i uh, to piggyback off that i think um looking at everything you could possibly do the scariest thing you can do to somebody whether it's in a game or in real life is take away their agency so mm-hmm. when when you put a corruption on somebody or the you know a curse or something You know, that makes them act in a certain way. You're not taking away what they can do as a character, but you're limiting it or guiding it. And that, to me, is much scarier than any werewolf or vampire or what have you. The most terrifying thing to me is, like, it it would be the thought of, you know, getting paralyzed in real life and just, like, being stuck. Like Mm -hmm. evoking that kind of fear in your players and pushing them outside of their comfort zones, I think is very important. And and furthermore, uh, Griff touched on that you know so much is in the description um, from the GM to make good horror. I would pair up description with delivery because there's a much there's there's a big difference between something like you open a door and there's a zombie in front of you. What do you do? And you creak open the door and it's just a little too loud and you're not sure what you see on the other side. There's a beam of light over a figure and something's just not quite right about them. Now, obviously, I'm adding a lot more description like Griff mentioned, but really slowing down the pacing of how you describe stuff lets that tension build. And you know what you should be doing behind that is being fucking relentless with your sirenscape or whatever um, background track you have <laughs> have something bassy ominous building up a little bit of ringing yeah, tinnitus like, <laughs> yeah heartbeats yeah. heartbeats you know? over and over yeah I think that yeah. that's your tension but
1: like just been just below your subconscious mm-hmm. you know I'd like to follow that up with that like that is great GM advice and what you mentioned is uh, you, the, with the player agency thing so. As a player in a horror campaign, Steve, what is what is your advice to the players? It, you know, because you're asking then your players to be like, all right, you got to give up a little bit of this mm-hmm. power fantasy to to buy into the horror part of it. And that's, I think that's a hard thing to do as a player. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, you truly have to be a, a phenomenal role player to handle a horror campaign. Um, and I think I'll f- <laughs> I'm doing a bang-up job at it. <laughs> no, no, no! <laughs> all kidding aside um what it comes down to is going into it with an open mind you know that's the best thing you can do as a player you know do this uh, execute the same exercises that you would for any other campaign so build a character that you care about build a backstory that you care about make sure it ties in well with, with the gm but when things go a little bit sideways think about the think about how to yes and that scenario um, case in point uh, I came into our campaign with inquisitor of Farsma. is a deity that exists in Pathfinder or I'm, I'm sorry starfinder so your uh, listening audience may be familiar. She is the the goddess of life and death and absolutely has no tolerance for the undead. I thought it would be great for an undead themed campaign and i think so far it's done really well however there is a character on our show who is getting followed around by ghosts obviously like that could (laughs) not possibly jive with my character concept and my existence also couldn't really jive with hers because i stand antithema to anything that she would want to do so we have had to find like ways to coexist and make each other work and build each other up, as opposed to bringing down each other's character concepts. And I think it's come together really well. The development between my character and okay, spoiler alert, it's Haley's character um, has has been very fun for me.
3: <laughs> it always <laughs> right? is. Isn't and, it?
2: and early on in the show, I you know that was a little troublesome for me, and I was like, man, how are we going to make this work? And we had a couple close calls where it was like. Can both of us make it out of this tense situation alive? Well,
1: I think it adds adds some conflict to your yeah. story that that is such juice for a GM to like, you know, find, you know, pinpoint and then just extrapolate out, like mm-hmm. just put the spotlight on that tension, you know. But again, to your point, you have to, I think, as a player realize at the end of the day you gotta find a way to make it work, you know, and yes. so there there has to be, you can explore that inner conflict, but there has to be some kind of understood acceptance that there'll be a compromise at the end of it, you know, or else it's like, I just gotta leave with my character, and that's that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah.
0: that's good advice in any campaign, though, you know what I mean? To, like, mm-hmm. really buy in, to, to yep. really say yes and, as it were, because... Sure. I know I've run in situations where Adam has presented a scenario, maybe not in this campaign, but in other ones we've played, where I'm like, my character wouldn't do this. My character wouldn't do this. And, and I have to, like, you know, just, like, swallow a little bit of my own self-characterization to make what works with the story work with my yeah. character. Because there's, you know it's not always going to be exactly the way that you want it to play out, and you got to be willing to be flexible in that. So, I think that's fantastic advice.
2: Th- thank you. Uh, what it comes down to is, you build a character with an alignment, a deity, whatever, and things seem very set in stone. But you're playing a role, and you're trying to embody an entire other person. And people, human beings, whatever race you are in, uh, in Pathfinder, Starfinder world, they're complicated. So... Mm-hmm. You know, you get into a situation that's a little morally ambiguous, you got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, that's my two cents.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's fantastic advice. So, I was going to ask this question. I feel like you guys have kind of already touched on it, so we might just need to scratch it. But I was going to ask, being in an audio-only medium how do you effectively translate those concepts of horror into the podcast? And I think that uh, you guys have already really touched on it with, you know, being descriptive and that kind of stuff like that. Is there any other element that you think you can, like, how to make this work in an audio medium?
3: I think Steve touched on it, but your music has to be very on point. If you're using Mm -hmm. music, if you're using sound effects and that kind of stuff, that adds to the ambiance. I mean, there's only so much description you can give. Yeah. Or something, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, get really good at describing really horrible things, because <laughs> yeah. that's that's horror. That's horror in the audio medium. You might hear me on our show when I talk, and it's very deliberate and drawn out, and it's I do that a hundred percent so that I can like put the stress on when I'm when mm-hmm. I when I'm describing a, a scene. And really make the players squirm, and
1: I think yeah, that works really that tension, well.
0: Not delivering that one crucial piece of information mm-hmm. that they need. Yeah, until, like hold, hold, holding yeah.
1: it out just to yeah. the very end. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, in, in kind of milking each word of the description too. You know, letting it letting it roll off your mouth and stuff like that. And I mean, that's that you know, that's certainly one of the the biggest things that I'm looking at as as we go into this you know um i think one of the kind of fortunate if not a little insidious things that you have going for you when you're gming a group of longtime friends is that you know how to push their buttons (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like it's so like well i think another thing i'm trying to be conscious of kind of on the other side of of the coin is not overdoing it with that information you know what i mean and like i think that's a balance that you you have to kind of keep to when you're doing a horror campaign is certainly you want to make it scary and certainly you want to make it uncomfortable but you certainly you don't want to put anybody in a position of where i'm not like even enjoying this anymore you know yeah you need the you need the buy-in 100
3: percent, and that goes both ways i mean you as a gm have a responsibility to give the players that hey this is this is where this is gonna go like is is everybody okay with that Mm -hmm. if not like you can't take it there and i think that's the social contract that you create as players it's a lot easier when you're playing with your friends because you kind of know Mm -hmm. where that line is with them but but I totally agree with you. I mean, why do you think I've been throwing spiders in left and right? It's cuz <laughs> Steve's arachnophobic. Uh,
0: me too, Steve. I know. <laughs> me too, man. God, dude. <laughs> that's terrible. I fucking hate it. I hate this so much.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's little so, things like that that you could do to make it uh that much worse for. That's <laughs> that's much that's more more personal personal touch.
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Yep. So, despite being a horror campaign, the hideous laughter podcast, uh the other half of hideous is laughter, and you guys are very very funny. So, What are the biggest challenges uh, in managing the horror tone while still keeping it fun and humorous? Like, is it just the alcohol or what?
3: (laughs) I think I would say you you always (laughs) just got to pepper it in. I mean, it's something that our table has worked really hard in creating that balance, and the balance is know when to interject with a joke. Know when something's got too heavy, but also know when I'm delivering something that's that's serious. My players know, Okay, it's not joke time like I'm I'm not going to say shit. Right. Right. (laughs) And and so it's a it's a tightrope because we know it's heavy material. If we were doom and gloom and horror 100 percent of the time, nobody would listen to the show. Because we're not an audio drama either, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so we need that table banter. That's one of the things that is a cornerstone of our show. But it's always like, okay, this got a little heavy pepper. Somebody will pepper something in and make the whole table bust up because you know you you laugh even harder when you have all that nervous tension built up. And then somebody says something and you can let it all out.
1: I think it requires a lot of patience, right? Cause as you're saying, sometimes, especially when you're delivering something serious and spooky, you're going to deliver a lot of text or a lot of, uh, dialogue in a slow manner. And the slower and creepier and more tense it gets, the greater the urge to break that tension, like with a, with a cut, a cut in, you know what I mean? And like, that's got to take a tremendous amount of patience to just, just wait until, the scene has delivered and then you know you give it a second to hit and then you kind of undercut it right that's yeah it takes
3: a tremendous amount of patience just
1: to listen to Brooks's jokes but he does
3: cut <laughs> it so yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> uh truly truly you have anything to add to that Steve
2: <laughs> uh I just love man when when he'll like try out material for the show beforehand like, when we're mixing drinks downstairs before we start recording, he says a joke, and it just fucking bombs. And then, and then he, he repeats always it says on it. air. <laughs> then he goes, he's, he's like, maybe our- this will be Man. better when it's on air. <laughs> Man, we call him out on it, too. But I, I love that kid to death. He's, he's really special. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I mean, anybody who's not listening to HLP, pick it up. Obviously, right? Glowing endorsement from uh, from the SDF
1: for sure. Crew. And I mean, some excellent advice uh, on, on yes, the absolutely.
0: Genre. I that, I, have, really I have a lot to to process on that um, because I, I certainly have issues with relinquishing player
2: agency. I I, th- I think you might have a little bit of a challenge, man. Uh, you know, I'm sure this is going to come out. Well, yeah, it has to come out after if you haven't listened to the first season of your guys show i don't know why you're listening now hey, right, right so there's some spoilers for that yeah, but yeah stop you and go listen to the
1: main show and then come
2: back to this <laughs> you you finish season one with Orin 1v1ing the boss of the campaign and he walks out of, i mean the inspiration behind him's um the i can't remember his name uh, Zolan? uh nate fillion from oh, 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 uh oh. From from uh, from Firefly, like your character is a registered badass, like Han Solo scoundrel. To to have that character in a horror setting, you're going to have to push yourself a little bit. Yeah, and to go like immediately
1: from that, like I guess that's what you're saying. To like go from that, like he's got to be on the biggest
2: ego trip.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough to feel small
0: again. You think I'll have some time
3: to decompress?
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's a little uh, time time gap between the two campaigns. So um, hopefully, I'll I'll find some humility in Orton In the meantime, we <laughs> uh, believe in you. Thanks, thanks. Uh, so moving on to another show. Some of you may not know. That we are also creating a joint project The most ambitious crossover of all time, if you will (laughs) Um, It's a joint actual play of the Attack of the Swarm AP with you guys And uh, so, why not? Let's touch on that while we're here, right? I would Um, say
2: the crossover is so ambitious It makes Avengers Endgame look like a pile of steaming dog shit I, I think We've, we, really, I think we really put them in their place.
0: Yeah, yeah I, th- we th- showed I think them you're 100% accurate with that. No embellishment uh, at all on that statement. That's 100% well, I would say it's so fact. ambitious, it crosses
3: back over to unassuming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. There you go. Wow. There you go. I like wow. it. I like it. So I did not start out playing this campaign with you guys. I kind of joined it. In media res, if you will. So, can you guys touch on how this came together a little bit? Give kind of the behind-the-scenes rundown of the formation of the Hideous Tomfoolery project. I mean, I could I could talk about it, but I think
3: most of the credit is uh, is due to Adam. This is true. <laughs> for, well, for putting it together.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I just talked to you guys and said I wanted to play. You know, and you guys were like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I I think more so talk a little bit about our our mode of release and and kind of our intent behind putting this out and and what we're doing with it. Yeah. So,
3: I mean, we we were on the fence initially when we started recording it about whether. I mean, we we started recording it, but we kind of just recorded it because we all have the equipment to do so, and we could. And so we started playing, not necessarily with the intention to release it, but just that we had it recorded in case we wanted to, and we had it recorded so we all had the opportunity to listen back to it if we wanted to as well. But then when we played those first two sessions we we all kind of as a party really gelled and it was it was one of those things where we were all chatting directly after we hit stop on the second mm-hmm. episode and it was kind of like yeah we definitely got to record all of these like that was too much fun not to and felt like the session went great and that kind of thing and so us being everyone on hideous tomfoolery being podcasters that have been podcasting for a while, <laughs> doing the actual play thing, we were just like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll record these." Adam offered to edit them, so um, it really became a, "Hey, let's just play as far into Attack of the Swarm as as we want to, yeah, um, and and record them, and we can release them however we see fit." Uh, the way we decided to do that is actually really cool, and I don't think anyone's doing it it's that we're recording the episodes in chunks so parts of a book and if you've ever looked at a paizo adventure path the individual books generally have several parts so we're taking those parts and usually it ends up being like five or six episodes and releasing them as a whole chunk but we're not releasing them on an rss feed you kind of have to have been listening to either of our shows to even know where to go to download the stuff and you kind of have to be a part of one or both of our discord communities to even find the links Mm -hmm. but it's a kind of underground style that i'm really fond of and i think i think has been has been really cool because much like uh (laughs) earlier yesterday uh we released a huge chunk of hideous tomfoolery and it's like we didn't announce it beforehand we didn't tell people hey be on the lookout for this in a week we just yeah, dropped it, just it. it we were like hey this is out now Yeah.
2: Adam, Adam, Adam <laughs> go got done editing and he was just like hey is everyone cool with me releasing it and we we're like yeah sure fine go ahead <laughs> yeah go for it <laughs> <We dropped laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well because it's like that's the thing is when it's
1: done it's done and there's the next chapter you know and, and so it's like I, it's a fun way to do it because you get to tell little individual stories like you get to really highlight the stories of each part because you you, you you know the idea is that you binge five to six hours of this particular story and then it's like okay cool that was like this episode or this month's episode or whatever and 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 it gives us a chance in between parts to be like okay cool now now what you know what are we going to do you know and that's i think kind of how the flashbacks entered because we weren't going to do flashbacks but then steve was like i have one wrote my longest (laughs) flashback
2: of all time and dropped it to (laughs) you yeah i was like
1: well this is pretty good i don't see why we shouldn't do it and so we did And, and uh yeah, I, I I too enjoy the underground style of it. You know, it's kind of yeah, like Yeah, w-
0: one of my favorite things about it is when somebody new in one of our Discord channels that we have for for hideous tom Thorry comes in there like, "How do I how do I listen to this? Like, what do I what do I have to do to <laughs> download do it?" I'm, I'm googling. You know, and and somebody in the community will point them in the right direction or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really it 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 takes me back to like old school like sharing Mixtapes or like Mm -hmm. concert footage type thing, you know? Yeah, it's bootlegs. It's it's a bootleg podcast. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool, man. Because like we don't have like any social media for it. Nothing like Mm -hmm. it's.
0: (laughs) No, you just have to know about it. If you know, you know,
1: right. Well, and And
0: I just
3: love the concept, like the fact that we could do the entirety of Attack of the Swarm, and then one day after we're done, be like oh, fuck, we'll give it an RSS feed now. Listen to the whole thing. Like, that's yeah, also yeah. a fucking That would be wild. It's like, right. Oh, here's a podcast that's finished. Like
0: It's right. just, <laughs> just done. done. Go, go just ahead and listen
3: to it.
2: Dude, there, yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some it, people on our respective discords that would get that shit done in like three days. Yeah, yeah. they would just crush it. The, the yeah. people that join well, they,
1: I mean, up, they're like... But those people, those people already have, though. Right, you
2: know, like, right, right. <laughs> we need more of them They're now. already current. Yeah, we're going to need more of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, so we're playing Attack of the Swarm, right? That's what we decided to play Starfinder and Tech Swarm. Which, I mean, the, the reason why is when I read that first book of the AP it just seemed like such a fun. Just like you know, it's hard for sure, but like mostly you get you. It's it's Starship Troopers, you know. You just to get to get in there and just play, you know. And so it felt like it would be something that we could we could do. You know, we're all very busy and. And, and so uh, I didn't want something that was at first, you know I didn't want something that was like too overly story driven and I, the plan was just to play book one, but obviously we've loved it uh, enough to so we're going to do this whole AP and I read the other books and I was like, oh yeah, we have to do this right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> awesome like all the way through it I, it's really cool, so that being said, what are some of the biggest surprises for you of book one of Attack of the Swarm Ooh, are we, uh, are we spoiling stuff? Yeah, I would say that uh, again, spoiler warning, but if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to hideous tomfoolery, stop, go find the secret link and come back. Cause I mean, <laughs> this Fair. is coming out after the first book is released. So, I mean,
3: I was, I was surprised and delighted by the early PVP. <laughs> oh that but, was rough, uh, yeah, man that's that's less so about the the story of attack of the swarm but i i think one of my favorite moments was the the combat that we had on it, it felt very halo-esque where we were on the back of like the warthog um yeah shooting like Literally being attacked by a spaceship, which they always tell you is not something that's supposed to happen at Starfinder, but right. happens in this AP. It just always happens. <laughs> and, and like you know, you have you have the party, you know, meeting Zach's character literally an episode ago, getting into a car with him and having him uh, become like the driver. You have a completely unprepared party like Steve, your character Natasi is like in the driver's seat for yep, a second yep. and gets pushed aside. <laughs> you have you have like the heavies in the back, just like do and uh, and you know we're shooting into the barrel of this this uh, this enemy swarm ship, which is just not less a ship and more a giant organism. And right. we're like shooting into its
1: orifices that shoot gunk at us, and like trying to <laughs> swerve. <It's just> so <laughs> crazy! It's so like comic book and s- pulpy and cinematic. You know, it, it's great. It's so much fun. What about
0: you, Steve? What were some early early moments for you, or, or
2: early moments favorites? Hmm.
0: Well, I mean, we've got three parts out now, uh, as of, as of the time of this recording. So I- any moment, not early, just anything. So,
2: so from like a, a macro perspective, I know we touched heavily on where the project came from and how it developed and how we decided, Hey, this might actually be something. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised, um, sitting down at a, at a virtual table. Cause we are very far away in Columbus, Ohio from you guys, um, that, just how well we jived in general. I mean, we got done with the first session and then Zach, you on the third session. Um, full disclosure, I had never exchanged words with Heath or you before we played together. And effectively it was like, right. you know, maybe we were involved in some of the same conversations on one of our discords, but um, we never talked actually. We had Adam and Emily on a previous yeah. on of Truth, but um, never actually talked to you guys. And we were just RPing off each other right away. And it was a blast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah.
0: that was oh, absolutely. So that was a
2: nice little surprise. Yeah, like we finished we finished that um, uh, that first episode, and I was like, shit. Like Heath seems like somebody I went to like grade school with. Like we just vibe. Yeah, it's very much it's very much
3: a stepbrothers, Like did we just become best friends? Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Steve Steve is definitely that that kind of uh, I'm I'm sorry, Heath is <laughs> definitely that type of person that's just like immediately becomes your buddy, you know what I mean? I mean, he might be frustrating at times, but he, he's your buddy, like, right off the bat, you know? because and, and y'all just connected. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a really nice thing, as you said, Steve, just that immediate, like, gelling and kind of feeling comfortable around the mm-hmm. table was, was something I, I I assumed would happen, but was... It was really nice when it did. Cause, cause you know what I you mean? You guys,
2: like, you guys have done it with people before, and, and Griff and I have had this experience too, where you sit down and you play a game with someone. And you're like, okay, that was fine, that's fine, but yeah. But did it leave yeah. a lasting impression? We probably impression? wouldn't have probably released not. it. Yeah. That's how we felt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, or you know, you sit down at a at you go to a convention and you you're at a table playing like Pathfinder Society or Starfinder Society or whatever, and you know, there's some people there that are just you know driving for it and sure more power to him. but at the end of the day like am i gonna remember that dude no way but i remember you guys oh thank <laughs> you you guys too
0: but but in all seriousness it, it really was it, you get we we could all tell immediately you know mm-hmm. that there was some kind of table chemistry yeah. and that we all enjoyed or or in played in a similar way, had a similar approach to the, to the way we come to the games, and I think that really helped the whole thing gel. And I think that, in a lot of ways, you guys' really interesting character concepts brought a lot to this table. So, talk to me a little bit about the inspirations for your characters. Steve, tell
2: me, how did you come up with Natasi? All right, so I play on this show an android um, medic archetyped mystic. Um, that is, uh, her name is, her designation is Cora six, but, um, a, uh, organics can call her Natasi. That's her name for organics. Um, and frankly, I, th- I think I'm going to tell you guys the same thing that I, or rather I'll go on air saying the same thing that I told you guys, um, rather, rather early in the show, um, was that I had signed up for this project, you know? griff mentioned to me that adam wanted to put this super group together and i was like yeah sure fine Um, and i was having a lot of difficulty coming up with a character that i really cared about um i've got a lot more experience with pathfinder i could probably bang out a character right now on air like a concept for pathfinder but starfinder i'm a little less familiar with so it you know it was a little difficult a little bit more difficult for me to come up with something that i really cared about and i went to the gym before work one morning and was walking back to my apartment and it just clicked for me. So, um, I am playing basically our party's literal heel bot. Um, <laughs> characterized as um, Daryl Hannah's character from Kill Bill with the missing eye patch and the doctor's uniform the and everything. Thing, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Um, without diving into it mechanically, she is Built to keep people alive. Like I can't hit shit in combat. Most of my skills are trash, but nobody's dying with me on the field. I'm knocking on wood right now. Except uh, you, right? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, besides me. Um, but I, I I got really excited about the character concept. There were a couple things that I don't want to spoil here that I had to run by Adam to make sure they were okay, and they were. Um, but I'm very excited to see yes, where the character goes. I've got... <laughs> yes, he... Yes, me very well. Um, I've got several things in my head headcanon that I think would be very exciting to play out, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I it, It's fun playing a support role that at times seems at odds with some of uh, the party. Just trying to... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I <laughs> or mean, at least I, ideolo- ideologically. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun i've really been enjoying it
0: which natasha is a great character um i i i dug her immediately and and for what Mm. it's worth uh everyone who is listening at home steve's token in roll (laughs) 20 is literally (laughs) nurse daryl hannah it's literally just
1: the picture
2: Yep. Yes, with her holding up the big syringe yeah. too. Yeah. it's, it's yeah. the perfect pose. I mean,
1: it's like burned into my mind that that's no, no, really right. that, that's, that's right. Yeah.
2: I was very clear with what I wanted the uh what what I wanted the image of this character to be.
0: Well, you you nailed it. You delivered. Um Griff, so man as as the forever GM of the Hideous Laughter podcast, uh getting a chance to play a character, uh you know, what inspired you to uh, create your character, or, or you know, where did you draw from? How did you land up on good old Sigurd? I mean, Sig is Sig's concept came from
3: reading about the planet uh, Dagox Four, which the the concept is it's an entire prison world. So the world is just a jail, and oh I had him him Sounds come terrible. from that planet um, as a prison guard enlisted into the military um, but he's a vanguard so where where Steve's character is the heel bot he is the tank um, I really wanted to utilize the new shields that they brought into Starfinder because I was really excited for them um, but a vanguard is a really interesting class because they play around with entropy and Sigurd is a Uh, lawful neutral character that is playing with the force of chaos that is entropy. And it's where he draws all of his power from and it's having an effect on him. And that's kind of where I'm taking his concept. I really wanted to play with like the dangers of playing with entropy, which I don't know if a lot of people uh, think about when they make a Vanguard character but it's something that, um, to me, is is everything. Entropy stands for is is the destruction of the universe. That's that's entropy. Everything in- inevitably falls into chaos. And Sigurd's messing around with that force. And so I really wanted to play him up as a protector of the party. Um, that that completely gets crushed when he feels like he's he he hasn't done his job he hasn't he hasn't followed like protocol when there's like infighting with the party he takes it personally he's that kind of character and um and there's a lot of stuff in the backstory that i haven't revealed that is that is coming uh because i wanted sigurd to be a very slow burn character I really appreciate everybody's flashbacks and stuff that you guys all like clearly put a ton of effort into and they're all amazing um but sigurd's concept for me feels like it just needs to play out so that's what i've been trying to do is give little flashes as to what's going on with him or at least create the question of what's going on with him um because he's he's a complicated character and he's he's I I guess being a longtime horror GM, I like to put that into my characters without without the mechanical like, hey, you're corrupted. I like to just put that into my characters either way. <laughs> um and, and there's a little bit of that in Sigurd. Like he's clearly yeah. something's going on with him.
0: Dude, absolutely. Uh for anybody who's finished part three of HTF now, uh, I know I definitely was like wait a second there's there's something going on with sig that we don't that we don't know about there's like like something
1: like significant he's going through something very significant against the backdrop of a swarm invasion like you know what i mean and it it's intense it's it's definitely there's a turning point for sigurd in part three that's like whoa what's going on you know yeah
0: yeah, I, I like the Vanguard class concept a lot. I think it's just a really cool class. Like you said, getting the, like having a constitution-based class and uh you know, really good with shields and also dealing with those forces of entropy, which yeah, is I think an you interesting flavored the Vanguard
1: explore. in a really really interesting way. You know, like I I think you've as you said, you've captured the idea of a vanguard a lot more than I think of what it might come across it's just on the surface, like with the mechanics, you know, it's easy to get, oh, I'm just shooting fireballs out of my, my hand, you know what I mean? that's <laughs> There's there's a lots going on there that you, I, I appreciate that you're highlighting, you know, of like what it actually means to have those abilities. I can't wait to see more.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and we have a lot of interesting stuff coming up for Hideous Tom Fuller. If you think you've got it all figured out, we... I promise we have some surprises for you. Uh, so, definitely, if you're not listening to Hideous Tomfoolery, uh, get on the Discord and figure it out. Someone will tell you how to download it. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> There's we're a channel to tell it you. We're, on, we're I, not going to tell you on air. You have, to, you have to find out. You have to find it. Yeah. So, um, all right, guys. While STFU doesn't normally do a lot of listener questions, we have so much crossover in our listener bases that. I thought it would be wrong if we deprived them of a couple of listener questions. So I, I've got oh, a few no. for you guys. Oh no! no! Well, you can't! <laughs> and, uh,
3: you're not allowed to subject like the PISA developers to
0: to. Uh, you're the right. Fan exactly. I can't. Right, I right, can't right. Up right. Them. Have, I can't. We have, we're can't more have questions. That, but yeah. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you guys can take the full brunt. You you know That's what to fine. expect. Uh, we're going to start with a few. If we have time, we'll get into a few more. Um, but first of all, from our good friend Sir Newt. Who is the most likely to ascend to Lichdom? Whew. <laughs> is that as uh, a person? Yeah, that, that's that's where we're starting with this one. Yeah. That's uh that's it's the setting the
2: tone. Yeah. Like, I that yeah, I, I echo Griff's is this a person, character, what? You know, Sir Newt did not elaborate so
0: on uh, on the specifics, I so, think person so is what? let's say let's say member of the Hideous Laughter Podcast. Yes.
3: Hmm.
2: That's tough. Yeah,
3: that's a tough one. Um, I'd, uh, I'm going to go with Emily on this one, I think. Emily? The pursuit of knowledge. She's studious enough to do it. That's yeah, for she's sure. studious yeah. enough yeah. to do it. I'd say Brooks up, is your sleeper. see what happens. Brooks is a sleeper, I, but he'd have Brooks to have is, other
1: people perform the ritual for him. Well, Emily. Hmm. You know? yeah, <laughs> Emily, well, Emily would, would be the first, and then she would make him a lich, and there you go.
0: Brooks would just get suckered into it, you know? Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah.
2: I think Emily's the only one of us who could do it because she's a literal doctor and none of us are smart. Besides her. I, I, I kid, um, but she was a literal doctor, so she could probably figure it out. Um, but she also has a heart of gold, so I don't see that happening to her, but I could see Brooks getting fixated on it and uh, she would help him out. So I could see, yeah, I'm going to say Brooks. I could see I Emily, Emily as
3: the, um, it was in one of the editions of D and D that had the, uh, I can't remember their name. But they're they're the good version of liches. They're still undead, but they're good aligned. Pathfinder and Starfinder kind of have the all undead or evil system yeah, in place, ca- but D and D in one of their settings had good liches, so I could see that happening.
0: Well, huh. Starfinder has the um, the, Eey- the X... the. Eos? Eoxians? The, Eos. Eoxians. Yeah, the Eoxians. Eoxians? yeah, 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 but yeah. they're they're
1: they're yeah. considered a lawful evil society. Are they? Yeah, oh, okay,
0: yeah. okay. Uh, well, okay. So Emily forlichted him then, or maybe Brooks, depending on the situation. Um, so <laughs> from Commodore, our good friend Commodore asks, "What is your favorite mechanic in Starfinder?" Coming from Pathfinder. And Bipolar Pop-Tart wanted to add, what's your least favorite? Let's start with you, Steve. Least and most favorite
2: Starfinder mechanic. Easy most favorite, uh, the ability to attack twice at first level. Easy. Uh, You you take a little bit of a penalty for it, but I think that is a phenomenal add to the system. Um, Least favorites, a lot more difficult. I would say, you know, as being the habitual either player of Pathfinder or player of Starfinder, it feels like I'm shooting myself in the foot a little bit, Um, but I think it might be worthwhile re-looking at how to kill players Um, because there's massive damage rules and you run out of resolve points, but after level one or maybe, you know, including some very high level stuff, it seems like that middle ground is very difficult to kill a player, Um, which a lot of times makes or, or can take a lot of tension out of encounters it's kind of like going back to a series and watching like a prequel. Well, you know the lead character is going to survive because he shows up in the original movie, right? right. Uh, it, it's not quite that bad, but a, a lot of times if I've got full resolve and I go down, it's like, okay, well, I, there's nothing to worry about. The resolve is an awesome...
1: System, but it, mm-hmm. it fails at that point because you know you got your stamina to burn through. You burn through that, and you're like, okay, shit, I'm in my HP, and that goes to zero, and that's when you should start to really get scared. But what you're really staring down the barrel at is four or five rounds of s- just spending a resolve. You know, like yes. okay, you stable, you get up, you're gonna get knocked down again. Spend, you know, like, and that's not a lot of fun. And I, what I think that would be cooler is if there was a lot more cool uses for those resolve points so like you were more motivated to use them thus having less to rely on in those situations you
0: know yeah i was gonna say the same and, thing adam i think that's mm-hmm. a good good suggestion
2: 100 percent. i mean that's the way my character in hideous tomfoolery is built like it is a resolve based class where i'm pumping heals using that resolve channel well what does that do for me when i've been healing the rest of the party and only have one resolve left and then some enemy focuses on me then i'm in serious trouble so i i 100 agree make more classes a little bit more resolve dependent or something i don't know
1: yeah your front line your front line fighters need to have a reason to use them because most of the classes that mm-hmm. use resolve like in a really cool way and like like oh i'm going to use them it's your envoys and it's your you know your mystics you know especially with the way where you're building with the archetype is like they're not really being focused on unless you know as a gm you're kind of meta and you're like oh i need to take out the medic so you know what i mean because they're the easiest yeah. target you know and some some enemies would know that but you know a lot wouldn't well of course t-
0: to your point i still don't have a resolve spender at level seven my character, my main character, Oren, does not have a resolve spender of any kind.
3: I think all spellcasting classes need a mechanic that is resolved for a spell slot. I think, I think that's which so
1: warpers easy. should use resolve for their infinite worlds instead of spell slots. Which mm-hmm. warpers should use resolve in, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm trying yes. to think of
3: SIG, it's like I have so many so many other options of gaining entropy points. Like I can move twice, I can get hit, I can get crit, I you know any of these things he's actively doing, like attempting to get hit, like walking through AOs and stuff, mm-hmm. and that makes my only resolve spending mechanic, which is to get entropy points,
1: kind of a moot point. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, uh, interesting question, Commodore. I think we'll probably be talking about that a lot more on the discords, too. I'm curious yeah. to dig into that subject right. a little bit more.
0: So we got another one from Sir Newt here, and he asked, how do you feel that tabletop games have influenced how you view yourself as a person? Sir Newt? That's a, that's a heavy <laughs> one from Sir Newt. Let's start with you, Groff. What do you think? Um,
3: I think tabletop games have definitely made me a more eloquent person than I ever was before. Interesting. I, the way I viewed myself before was not as, and, and I'll equate this to work. I've, since we've started doing this, I've gotten many, many compliments at work for being able to run a meeting for being able to present an idea concisely. And well, that I think is a direct result of me GMing constantly. And that, that I probably didn't have coming right out of college. So for me, TTRPGs have just kind of made me a better communicator. And I think that's a huge skill that gets built with, with this hobby, a way to express yourself a little bit easier because it's necessary in a role-playing game.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a, a fantastic answer. Mm-hmm. Steve, what, what do you think, man? How has it changed you playing tabletop?
2: Um, besides the fact that it just, I think, made me a, a better role player than any other game I play, um, I, 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 it's helped build my confidence a lot. Um, I have struggled with that my entire life. Um, but, you know, I was at a, a conference for work a year ago or so now, and I was asked to like guest on this video and talk about a subject that I was very knowledgeable of that was eventually going to be used by, um, uh, by folks uh, uh I can't even think of the, the name for those, the like people that try and get stuff done on Capitol Hill, um, yeah, like, like, like a lobbyist <laughs> to, to present ideas <laughs> to senators and stuff. Like that video was going places and I was super nervous to, to say a couple words on a topic that I was very knowledgeable on. But then I thought to myself, like we record a show that I put out every week and that I've seen the download numbers. We've talked earlier about where those downloads come from. People all over are listening. Like I can do this. And also on top of that, you know, having the confidence to be vulnerable, I think, um, has helped me a lot. Um, I, I've i admitted more stuff on air to, like, to the world than I have to like a lot of my close friends. <laughs> um, and I, 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 think, I right. think just after a while, you get to the point where, hey, like I don't need to be tough. I don't need to be cool. I just... People who have been responding to our show have been appreciative of who I am as a person. So I might as well just talk about my flaws. Like, I've got problems. They well yeah. lean into me. Right. You know what? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not perfect. And I finally, after however many years, have gotten comfortable with just owning those. And yeah. it's helped.
3: I think it lets you, it really lets you test drive a lot of aspects of yourself yes. at the table. Yes. A lot of aspects yes. that yeah, may not be yes. comfortable aspects for you to talk about you can kind of explore in the characters you make like steve i know you draw direct parallels with saw the character you made to yourself in a lot of ways i mean you cast him as you (laughs) it's very true (laughs) yes Uh, and and (laughs) with that it it allows you to explore some stuff that you wouldn't explore in a lot of social situations outside of the table and it's nice that, especially playing with a group of friends like all of us do, it's nice to be able to be in a spot that is kind of a safe space and a safe sounding board for for that kind of things. whether you're role-playing it out as a character or um, you know, you're know me or Adam with our multiple personalities <laughs> coming in right. as, as NPCs, right. but you can still inject a little bit of you into each character you bring to the table, and that makes it a super valuable hobby.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen, I don't know, a tweet or something where it was like, you don't need therapy. Just get a group of friends and start playing D&D. And we'll just right. work all that shit out at the table. 100%. You know?
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's
1: yeah. what it's, it is. it's legitimate That's, advice.
2: Because yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, what you're doing is you're interacting with those feelings in, I think, a healthy way once you realize how that you're expressing them, you know, it kind of sneaks up on you and you're like, Oh shit, that was, that was, that was me right there. That wasn't just a character. You know what I mean? And like, and, and we put a lot of effort into our characters and make the, you know, try to make them something other than just, Hey, I'm playing Zach the fighter <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's or, this is
2: a, or, 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 oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting your point now. <laughs> I'm just getting worked up. No, you're the guest, Steve. Please interject. Yeah, you're like you're the
1: one who gets to interrupt. Please.
2: Yeah. No, it's just like, well, okay, well, you know, over the I've been playing TTRPGs with my friends for the last five or so years, and seventy percent of my characters have been female. Like, I'm not as masculine or like weird about that as I thought. You know, it's it's just it's like I've learned a lot about myself.
1: Right. yeah.
0: I think it's a really interesting, um, you know, playing a gender swapped character. I, I I played a female, actually, Firasman, uh champion in our two e game. Oh hey hey hey! <laughs> and um, yeah yeah yeah, and, I, I, not not in any small part because of of your uh, love of Ferasma, right? So like, is definitely an inspiration for that. And yeah, it's it's fun to uh, explore that side of yourself, you know, or or to Embody a character that um, is different from you in a mm. lot of ways. You know, it's it's interesting, and I think you know a lot of people who haven't tried. You know, whether you're male playing a female character or female playing a male character, it's it's certainly an interesting exercise, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. It's fun. I got to be really sassy, and, <laughs> and, I, and I enjoy that. You know. Um, so, Steve, I've been told I need to ask you about your Legos, man. Wow, I've got you here. I've been told. So, tell me, what do I need to know about your Legos? I don't. I don't. I, I'm missing something, I guess.
2: So this is um, me being vulnerable right now. <laughs> um, so I like drinking, and really, oca- no way. Occasionally, dude. that'll get me very hungover. And I've discovered in my adult life that there's nothing more therapeutic for me when I'm hungover than just sitting down, putting on a podcast, turning my brain off, and building a Lego set. It works wonders for me. You know, man, that's actually great. It kills a little bit of time. It relaxes me. It distracts me from the fact that my entire body feels like it wants to fall apart. Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> so a not insubstantial part of my um, single uh, single apartment <laughs> is filled with Legos um, namely I, I I'm a I'm a big big fan of Star Wars so I build a lot of Star Wars Lego sets I have virtually every set that they've released in the last, since.
0: Do you have the de- the big Death Star like they broke in the Spider Man? and I
2: want it really bad, but it's really hard to justify that yeah. purchase price. I think the biggest set I have yeah. I just put together it is the um, twenty year uh, celebration of Lego Star Wars. It's the Tantive Four. It's something like two thousand pieces, um, and it was a it was a it was a lot of fun to build. I don't know where I'm going to put it. It's too big. Oh yeah but I'll figure it out, man.
0: <laughs> you need a whole display case for it, just right in yeah. the middle of oh, the Oh, he's already filled, like, three.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: He I, it's not uh, it insubstantial. It in the
2: I have well, there you go. far too many Star Wars Lego sets in the bedroom. <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's, there there's, too there's too many... a good
0: Patreon tier for you. Fun hmm. Steve's Lego habit. There you go. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> the Death Star All right, tier. So, yeah, so I got a wacky one from you. This comes from our good friend Overplus with Gaming on the Rocks, and he asks, if you were taking part in a Harry Potter-themed pub crawl, which house would you support? That's that's a wild one, Overplus, but uh, I'll pose it. You asked. Hmm. Yeah, I
3: mean, I'm going Gryffindor. That's what people called me in high school. <laughs> I mean, you, like, ha- you have just, to, right? You have yeah, to. It's just kind of there. The connection yeah. is too easy to draw.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's all in the name. Yeah, and I've never done any sort of like uh, Pottermore house sorting or anything. Um, but I'm gonna go uh, Slytherin for the snake girls.
0: Uh, oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, the jet- I choice. expect no less. See, Figure I should have, I should have known, man. Yeah. I should have known. <laughs> what
1: are you guys picking? Uh, <sighs> Zach's Ravenclaw for I'm sure. I'm a classic
0: Ravenclaw. Yeah, that's, I just, I, I, that's, I, that's I my, that's can't ever house. decide
1: if I'm Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. I want to say Ravenclaw, mm. but. You, but could, you feel could, a little hufflepuff but like I I think that I'm too much of a smart ass to be a hufflepuff I mean after you know this quarantine like, we're all
3: a little hufflepuff all right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely so I have I have one more listener question for you guys again this one's from Overplus. and uh, Griffin I think this is for you and this is a this is kind of a deep cut this is a little insider uh joke here uh, if Brock was in Starfinder. What race would he be? And what are some inspirational words he would live by? Oh, dude. <laughs> that what is a deep
3: that that's that's a the deep cut. That's about the deepest cut you could get. That's if yep. you were around like, It's it. really deep. Three if you weren't, if morning. Morning. you weren't here. Yeah, that's yeah. that spicy question right there, dude. <laughs> Three to four in the morning of the uh, STF Live Uh <laughs> Well, Season one it's, finale show.
1: Consider it uh, in tribute to hideous tomfoolery as a whole. I mean, it's this bootleg shit, man. You got to be on it to know it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. You got to be on it to know it. Oh man, I think Brock would be
3: an intellectual uh, otterfolk. I don't remember their actual <laughs> name, but um, he because he lets the hate roll off him, much like otterfolk right. with their water impervious uh, fur. Uh, and nice. I think they get cold resistance too, which is right up Brock's alley. Um, mm-hmm. What would he live by? <laughs> oh boy! Um, I think I think he would take the the upcoming AP to heart. I think he would uh, he would say,
0: "Fly for here die." There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. Nailed it. Nailed it. Quote um, Brock. Yeah. On on that note, guys. Um, do you? Do you want to plug the show again, real quick, before we head out? Uh, You give out your deets so they can know where to find you if they don't already.
3: I guess we could flash those deets. Yeah, man, do it. (laughs) Little deets. Yeah, so uh, just look up the Hideous Laughter podcast. We're on all podcasting apps. Anything you use to listen, we're there. Uh, We're at Laughter Hideous on Twitter. We're at Hideous Laughter Pod on instagram as well as twitch is twitch.tv slash hideous laughter pod uh you can also check us out on reddit um one of our good buddies lord deathquake set up a subreddit for us some time ago and uh so that is the coveted r hideous laughter so we snuck in under the radar and got that <laughs> um, <Nice. laughs> beyond that um i mean we're all over our own discord as well as your discord and you need to join one of those You need to both. listen to
1: hideous laughter podcast if you're not already is what you need to yeah. do like for real like there you know we, this I think this gets said every time we get together but the the mutual friendship and respect between these two pods goes deep and it's because mm-hmm. the shows are i mean th- their show is on on it so get you some it's some of that hlp thank you thank, thank yeah you. absolutely
0: i don't i don't think we can uh we can shout you guys out and promote you enough uh we you know we love you guys i know our community loves you guys because they're your community as well <laughs> and so you know there's there's a lot of love there in this it's a it's a fantastic uh marriage of of community if you will and, um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. You know, we appreciate having you. Thank you guys for having talking to you. Are
2: we already done, man? That was, that flew by. Yeah. I had a lot of fun chatting with you folks. Thank you. Yeah, it goes quick. <laughs> yeah, it goes it quick. absolutely. And,
0: and it, it goes even quicker when we're just bullshitting after recording an episode of HTF or something, you know? And yeah, like the next thing, thing you know, you you've been there little yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next <laughs> thing you know,
2: we're going to hear another one of Emily's stories that just floors me. <laughs> Everybody Steve, here knows man, what I'm talking about. Yep. You're you're not you, you, you
0: think you know a person. You know what I mean. <laughs> you think you're you not. You, hit the,
1: you think you've hit the last crazy story, and you never have. there's, it keeps always, there's, you know, there's always another box to unpack. You know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Amazing. you guys, uh, do you want to join us in a, uh, a, a a a group round of our farewell? Since we got you here for this. How does that Should work? You know what we're getting at. <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll just count it off. You know what I'm saying? Just three, two, one, and we'll get everybody on it. How's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Three, two, one. We'll, we'll see, see you.